Okay, welcome to the Knife Journal Podcast. I'm not sure what episode this is because there is a lost episode that you will never hear. Oh, that's uh, terrible. So we actually recorded an episode of this like two weeks ago, and my uh, computer crashed, got all blowed up, and I had to send the drive off to a drive recovery place to get it done because it had been a couple months since I'd backed up, but that two months was pretty important uh, because I was closing my business and stuff like this, so I had to pay a bunch of money to get that recovered. But anyway, we're here now, back in... Northern Michigan, yeah, in the beautiful summertime of Northern Michigan, on on my porch, yeah, yeah, on the famous the famous Noka porch, yep, fresh mowed lawn. I just mowed the lawn this morning. I got up the got up this morning at uh, uh, met the the uh, semi truck driver that delivered my uh, ten cords of wood this morning, ten pole cords of wood this morning, which for all of you people that burn gas. That's uh, 30 face cord of wood, um, and uh, he delivered that at, at well, he started unloading it at 6:05, and uh, he was on his way about 6:20. So I had a. Do you have a, a crane on there? Yeah, or what? he has yeah. A, a, a little boom and a pair of clam things. Yeah, and lifted it off, and then so and after I was done with that, I went in the house and. Uh, uh, Said, hey, Kath, uh, soon as the soon as the dew comes off the lawn, I'm gonna mow it. And so I ended up like 7:30 mowing the lawn. <laughs> got it kind of started, and then I got sidetracked and started doing something else, like usual, because I didn't drink enough coffee this morning. With the whole ADD thing kicked in. Yeah. Well, sounds eventful. Yeah. I have. Uh, I calculated at about eight face cord of wood put up, which is enough for me, because we're going to, I mean, I'm not going to be able to heat my house with wood, because I'm just not there all the time, so we've, uh, I've got a rule that the house, the thermostat is getting locked at 58. Ooh, you're more evil than me. Well, and you can, if you want it warmer, either put more clothes on, or uh, build a fire, because we've got uh, the wood-burning stove is ab- absolutely adequate to heat our entire house yeah. with, without any difficulty, and it's just sheer laziness that they're not doing it. I know. That's the way it was when my kids uh, grew up, and they'll they'll be the first ones to tell you that. I had a... Uh, uh, I took a drywall screw, and I put it in the, in the uh, thermostat and locked it so it wouldn't go over 60 degrees. And uh, basically told them, you know, and it, and it wasn't even a build a fire thing. It was just bring wood in the house. Yeah, that was what that's what my rule was. If you just bring wood in the house, I'll take care of the wood stove. You don't have to. And they they loaded it anyways. They liked it. Yeah. And it was, but it was a. And then Christmas morning, I would take the little screw out, and I would turn the thermostat up to like seventy degrees. <laughs> you guys were roasting because by Christmas, well, my wood stove, my wood stove down at the other house was. Uh, was a was a big parlor stove and it it was uh it kept the house pretty warm and it it had to be really 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 cold 
for it to be chilly in the house. And um, it was it was a great. I mean, it's a nice. It was a nice setup. And and this house is. I'm totally spoiled because we have a we have a hot water boiler, hot water high pressure boiler, and uh, uh, or hot water pressurized boiler. And uh, if it's the, during the transition periods of time, like in the fall. When it when it goes down to close to freezing at night and warms up to like 70 during the daytime, or in the spring when it does just the opposite, um, where uh, we roast because I have cement floors in my house. Yeah, I have lightweight concrete and it's all big thermal mass, and so when the when the thermostat shuts off, the the floor still radiates heat. Yeah. And so it just continues. And so if it, the minute it warms up to be a certain temperature outside, everything shuts off, but the floor continues to radiate heat. Yeah. And so we end up having to open all the windows up, turn the fans on, you know. So at that point in time is when we start lowering the thermostat down quite a bit. Yeah. Well, for the last uh, decade at least, my thermostat has never been above 62. And for the first few weeks, and, and it never gets above that because I didn't have a fireplace until this year. Mm-hmm. So for the first few weeks, you're pretty cold uh, and shivering and stuff. But after the first few weeks, you adjust. And uh, if you go into some place where it's like 70 degrees, you are roasting. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so uh, new in the knife world, obviously the biggest news in the knife world in the last few weeks has been the American Knife Company's release of the... Forest tool. Yes. The forest knife. Yep. Yeah, that is a... Uh, and it's, it's actually selling very briskly. Um, it's a... Uh, uh, Kind of a puko style, I guess you would call it. Kind well, of, sort to, of. To be even more specific, it's a Morris Kahansky rules. Yep. Uh, eligible. Yep. Uh, knife. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's a it's a great piece. Um, the fit and finish is really nice. The I mean I, I it's a it's made out of A2. Um, I'm not going to bore you with the details of the all the specs of the blade. The blade is like four and a quarter inches long and. And uh, it's it's really a nice size tool to be using, um, A2 steel, and um, it's got a convex Scandi grind or a well, it's a Scandi grind, but the very terminal, like last half of a millimeter is convex. Yeah, yeah. Which and is if you ever resharpen your Scandi <laughs> grind, that's how it's going to end yep. up. Yeah. Uh, and it just is yep. because you unless are you're not sharpening that. it on a flat. Uh, uh, stone, but even then, they're gonna. There, there are very few people in the world that can freehand sharpen and maintain. Even, even setting it perfectly on there, there's gonna be little, little tiny little wobble yeah. in, yep. in yep. how they're in their technique. Even if, even if they're so perfectly keep, keeping it flat, you know that's. So if you look at historical examples of Sammy knives, oh yeah, they well, that, are they're they're Scandi ground knives, people. Oh. But I think that they were, um, I think people get confused because prior to the, the machining, the machine grinding of those knives, they were all convex ground. 
if you find if you find uh, examples of uh, of some kind of fin knife from the late 1800s, <clears throat> you'll find that they're not they don't have the quote unquote scanty grind. Um, the scanty grind was actually kind of a uh, I think kind of an interesting piece of pre you know pre knife manufacturer marketing, like just like the blood group was. Yeah. Um, they found a better way to. Uh, an, they found an easier way to make the knife. Hence, it was a better way. It made a better knife. Yeah, exactly. And and so they were able to sell it because it was an it was a uh, it was an easier way to make it. But they called it a better way. So, you know, I don't want to. We really probably don't need to get a lot of emails about this stuff, but. Um, Marbles did that with the blood groove. Um, you know, they they put a fuller into the blade to make the blade stronger and lighter. But you know what? That's not sexy. Yeah. <laughs> so when you call it a blood groove, then it's sexy. Then it's sexy. Yep. Then that, so it's like early stages of, of, of knife marketing. Um, it's just like uh, it's just like using the. Um, uh, that the Sharon steel that all that a lot of people used back in the day, they used it because it was easily heat treated and it operated pretty well under a wide variety of Rockwells of yeah. hardnesses. You know, so uh, that's that was why they used it. But guess what? They said it was a better steel. <laughs> you know, of course but, you but it was that. better. But it was better for manufacturing purposes. Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't use it if it wasn't better. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly. what I say. <laughs> exactly. So no, so I, I use old one tool steel because it's great. Yeah. Because yep. <laughs> that's. But that's that's the way. It, uh, I mean, that's kind of the way things are. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So there's a couple things on, when you guys see these, they're pretty intriguing. I put a video up on American. Uh, Knife Company, American Knife Company, AmericanKnifeCo.com is the is the actual web address, AmericanKnifeCo.com, and uh, obviously there'll be more knives going up there. But right now, it's we have one called the Forest Knife, and there's a, a about a six minute video of me explaining a couple things about the knife, and then there's uh, I show you how to make something at the very end of the video, oh, and it's kind of cool. It's it's kind of a neat little uh, kind of a neat little video, and and um, but the sheath is the sheath is is pretty cool. And it has a has magnets in it to hold it in place. Yeah, and uh, that works real well. Um, plus, you can make a compass. Well, you know that uh, uh, one group of people you have totally turned off by including magnets the juggalos because juggalos. juggalos hate magnets what are juggalos there's this band called the insane clown posse and there's this song and the one lyric in the song is uh water fire air and dirt fucking magnets how do they work and i don't want to talk to a scientist y'all motherfuckers lying and getting me pissed Something like effing magnets, how do they work? And that, like, so the big joke is that, and their fans are called Juggalos, and so their fans, the big joke is that, like, they hate magnets. That's funny. Of that. 
Yeah. That is funny. Well, the, you know, we don't want to offend anybody with our magnets. Especially not juggalos, because they will probably kill you. No, well, <laughs> The FBI try. called them a, a gang. Did you know that? But they're not. I know juggalos. <laughs> like, I have friends that are actual juggalos. And for the FBI to say that that's a gang is absolutely ridiculous. Well, that's That'd funny. be like calling, saying that we're in a gang. That's Give me funny. a break. Well, the, the uh, I, like I said, I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, offend anybody. The only one that, and I'm not even sure, we put this sticker on and but I, I didn't do the research uh, so I don't know if it's actually true or not but there's a sticker on the sheet that says be careful around your pacemaker. No, actually, yeah. So Actually, that's possible. I, it, it has to be a fairly strong magnet but it's 20 pounds. And it's not just your pacemaker, it's your defibrillator. Oh. And it, I, I'm not I don't know the specs on... So, I, it was smart of you to include that warning because when, when I'm doing surgery, if somebody's got a defibrillator, uh, if, if they forget to put the magnet on and that defibrillator goes off, I'm going to be on the floor because <laughs> I'll get shocked. Well, so what, the magnet shuts it off? The magnet is... Actually, those, those defibrillators are designed... Implantable defibrillators are designed to be deactivated by a magnet. Okay. Okay, yeah. so that's what. But it's so it's, if you wear this as a neck knife, and yeah. you have a defibrillator, you might want to be careful with that because it might be disconnecting your shutting. Hey, your that's head. a good plot for a. Uh, you know who we should submit that to, David Morrell. <laughs> so, so for people that don't know, David Morrell wrote First Blood, but he's a bit of a knife nut. And I've I've emailed back and forth with him a few times, and I almost, almost, almost got him to come on the podcast, but he's. He's not a technology guy. I'll have to call him up. Yeah. Um, but we'll have to invite him. Have yeah, invite I, him I invited him. him. I said, hey, look, we want you to come on, like, in the worst way. We talk about your books all the time. Uh, and, you know, we talk about the Rambo knife and, and how cr- crazy we are about the whole concept and and movie knives and things. And, and so I, I've actually emailed back and forth with him a few times. But he, I think he's... I think he's uh he's not he's not a young person. No, he's a little older because in 19 uh in the early 1980s when Rambo 2 came out, he was a college professor at University of Iowa, and I'm assuming he would have been in his late 30s, early 40s then in the early 1980s. Yeah. So he he's got to be a little bit older. Yeah, he's probably antiquated now. But uh Anyway, that's he's on my top list of people that I would love to have on the podcast. Yeah, so so that that could be the plot. That could be totally be a plot. Like you murder somebody by letting them wear your knife as a neck knife, and they had an implantable defibrillator, and then you scared the shit out of them, and they went into V-fib. Yep. And then they just and died. They you know what's interesting about that? I thought that the I, I didn't know that that's how they shut them on and off. I thought they did RF frequency now. Well, I, the ones that that I have seen in the last ten years in surgery, you just there's this like blue donut looking magnet, and you put that over there. Maybe that's why juggalos don't like them. Well, well, the um, what I wondered about was how I thought that that the uh, MRIs were getting to the point where you could ha- actually have some of that stuff on and have it not affected. But obviously, if a an MRI well, would, well, would actually turn that off, probably. I don't know. The The magnets that we use are, like, super strong, like, huge, like, strong magnets. So 
you know, I, I don't I don't know what the specs are that it takes to turn off a defibrillator, but I just know that like they exist. Anyway, um, yeah. So so I mean, you can the, the magnet is strong enough that you can pick the blade up with it. Yeah. Yep. And and, and, and uh, so I mean, it, it is fairly. I mean, no, the knife isn't very heavy. It weighs about five and a half, six ounces, somewhere in that neighborhood. Depends on the scales because the 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 um, wood ones are going to be lighter. A little bit lighter, yeah. yeah. Yep, yep, yep. But it's you know it's a it's a pretty sweet knife. Uh, it's got a nice pommel and uh, you know uh, it's for pounding, making cordage, that kind of stuff. I mean, yeah, it's a pretty. It's it's like really, I think the bush the bushcrafty community should really go ballistic over it because it's it's. It's a pretty good knife. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 according to Moore's specs, and it, it actually functions very well. I'm planning on a video. Yeah, I saw uh, that thing on Facebook. So if you guys are friends with me on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, I put up a post uh, asking for suggestions of what you'd like to see the knife do, like what you want me to make with it. And so far, somebody's winning, but I'm not going to tell anybody at home what that suggestion was. But only one person suggested it, and <laughs> I thought it was awesome. So I'm going to make make that, and I'll give it like another maybe week, and then I'm going to go and do it. That um, it's interesting how there's there's that many little gizmos to that you can do, you know, really showcasing a, a skill. Yeah, and. Uh, Speaking of which, have you seen uh, have you seen the new TV series Alone? No, I don't watch TV. You know that. I know, but you should record that. And watch it. I don't want to. It's actually very good. Yeah. There's uh, we have a friend of ours that's going to be on the next issue, next episode. Oh, cool! And the guys that are still out there after thirty five days or something like that. There's four of them. Are pretty talented. One guy's building a sauna. Okay, that's a waste of calories. He's got. You, you ought to see. That's what I'm saying. These guys are like. These guys are truly like living. Like not just. It's not a survival story anymore. It's a. It's a survival. Thro- yeah, that'd be. That'd honestly, that would be for much further down the list for me. Well, he's he's already built a yurt. Well, that's fine, but like, there's your, a lot of other gotta, shit you got to be able to do oops. before you're going to take a sauna. Like, <laughs> I'm I'm laughing. I mean, it's 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 actually, you know, they, they're on a, they're on an island. I think I think they're on like Kodiak Island. They're on some island somewhere, in, yeah. You know, in the Pacific Northwest, and they're they're close to the water, so they have obviously they can fish. Yeah. And and so if you can, you know, it's one of those things, man. If you can, if you have you can live for a long time on fish. Yeah. You know. That's, and the, it, that's the easiest way. Yep. That's and they, why every they, civilization was started on a river. Yep. They, uh, I think you, you can pick ten, ten items to take with you out of a, out of a big list of stuff. And those ten items you have to have, you, you pick what, what items they are, then you get your own items. You don't have, you don't get their items. Yeah. You get what you want. And uh, and then you take them out and they drop you off. Okay, yeah. so uh, obviously the first couple of days there was a lot of puss balls that came that checked out early. Yeah. Um, one guy had some bear cubs that were rolling around on his tarp. 
<laughs> he was inside almost crying. Um, it was pretty funny, but he 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 popped smoke the next day. <laughs> He's like, "Fuck this! I'm not. I am not riding this out at all." Right. And now they're down, like I said, they're down to four guys. Are like day mid thirties, and um, you know, and, and it's it's not warm. It's it's like thirty degrees and raining, and it's turning to snow. And uh, you know, it's not a. I mean, it's not an easy peasy, you know, situation. And uh, obviously, a couple of them grabbed fishing nets. Um, that was smart. Yeah, and so they're they set up uh, some kind of, and the tide goes in and out, and they, you know, they collect. Yeah, their, it's free food. Yeah. Like, yeah, uh, so I probably told this story on the podcast before, but one of the main things we did on the uh, expedition in the Amazon jungle, and I have something else to say about that being an expedition, so I'm going to get to that. I have a little bit of a rant, all right? Um, the uh, One of the main ways we fed ourselves was uh, you, along any kind of a river, you're going to find a place where the bank is sandy for a, a considerable distance. And what that tells you if you see a sandy bank, because it's not always a sandy bank. Sometimes it's rocky. Sometimes right. there are, you know, if you see a sandy bank, then the chances are that the bottom is also going to be sandy for some distance out in the river. Mm-hmm. And what that does for you is it enables you to use a fishing net to catch fish. And, and without worrying about snagging that net on shit on the bottom. And so what you do is you go up river to the top of that sandy bank, and you have one guy swim out into the river, uh, or two guys, depending on how big your net is, and one guy on shore, and you just float with the current down the river, and when you get to the bottom of the sand bank, you circle it in. The, the guy circles in, and uh, you collect fish, and you, you you collect more fish than you can possibly eat. Mm-hmm. Um, and see, these guys are they they were like right they survived through the salmon run. Yeah. And uh, I found it kind of intriguing that they didn't. It didn't look to me like they gathered up enough to like smoke and and like if, if yeah. I'd have grabbed an ass load of those things. Yeah. And I'd have smoked them, preserved them somehow. You know, yeah, and uh, hung them up high in a tree somewhere so the bears wouldn't get them. But uh, yeah, well, for for long term situations like that, you need shelter, you need a source of water, and you need food. Yeah. And so, you know, your shelter, you and I could build a shelter in a day that would keep us very, very well, very comfortable. And we wouldn't build that shelter anywhere where there wasn't water. So yeah. the rest of your time. You're going to be spending. Cause well, it, the thing is, well, is your food source is not constant, it, right? You know, and it, the other thing comes and goes. The other, the other twist about this that I think, I think it showed up real early for a lot of people that probably had some good skill sets was the fact that being alone is a lot harder than people think it is. Oh yeah, and so you know, a lot of it is the drama that you create in your head because there's nobody else, there's no, uh, you know, and you, you can see the people as a starting to despair from, and it's from being alone. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I think that, you know, they're putting guys out there that have some pretty good skill sets, but they can't, they can't handle being alone. Yeah. And, 
you see that wrestling match going on, and I think that's probably even stronger than oh yeah than I anything mean, else. Because once you once you have the tools of survival, then the rest of it becomes mental. And this is what I've always said: I can teach you, or you can learn on your own from the Boy Scout handbook. <laughs> like literally, ev- pretty much everything you're going to need to know to keep yourself alive. Yeah, for a long time. And and the rest of it is all. It's a head game. Yeah. Period. Yep. You know. Um, yeah, it's it's a very intriguing, uh, very intriguing story. Kathy and I are uh, we're we're putting it on the DVR and uh, watching it when we can. And uh, like I said, there's there's not a lot of shows like that that really pique my interest, but this one did because it because it really does expose the mental aspect of the whole exercise. Yeah. Well, and, and plus, the winner takes home a half million dollars. The last guy standing in the woods takes home a half million dollars. I'm not sure that that would... Well, never mind. <laughs> um, well, like I said, he's out there. The, there are 35 days, four guys. One guy made a guitar. Yeah, made a, made a guitar. He made a, uh, the, he's the guy that made the yurt, and he said, I'm going to make a sauna. <laughs> well, okay, so I have some experience along these lines. The way to do that, the most energy-efficient way, and by energy-efficient I mean you expending calories, is going to be to do a sweat lodge. Yeah. Um, not a standing above-ground uh, thing. And sweat lodges are awesome. Like, I, I've wanted to build a sweat lodge, like, forever. I see, they, they have a lot of rocks there. Where they're at on this island, there's a ton of rocks. Because he built... Like I said, he built a yurt, and he put a fireplace inside the yurt, and he made it out of rocks. Huh. And uh, so he has a nice fireplace inside the yurt, and it, it uh, the smoke goes up, you know, up yeah. the... And it's it's actually pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, he has a little nice little cook fire in there. and and uh, But see, a couple of things he could bring was a tarp, a couple tarps. Yeah, then you're good. You yeah. Know, all I mean, you need is that tarp, and that'll keep the water out. Yeah, and it looks like it rains quite a bit, and... He, he, it was kind of funny because he had a he had a camp set up, and he he, it was probably day, I don't know, day twenty. He decided that he was going to move the camp, and he had a raised bed and everything. He had log floor on his in his camp, and he had built some kind of a tent over the top of the log floor. Yeah, he had a pretty good setup. As it was, oh, I, I, and I don't know if it was because the, there were bears right there by him or something, and that's why he decided. To, I didn't hear why he decided to move, huh. and uh, so he decided to move, and he and he went to, hauled off, picked up all his logs that he cut, hauled them all up the hill. I mean, this is the kind of time that you have. Yeah, I mean, because he's got fi- he's got food and he's got water. It's all he has to worry about is, you know, yeah, his you know the rest of it is all. I mean, you know what? There's a lot of hours in the day. You know, to do stuff like yeah, that, and so he, one of the thing that one of the things that he has to do, or what they have to do, is keep themselves occupied. Once you once you establish your routine of eating and sleeping and and fishing and get, gathering water and that kind of stuff and firewood, once your routine is established, then all of a sudden it's like now you've got a bunch of uh, you've got a balance of a lot of time on your hands that you have to deal with. Yeah, and I think that's why the ukulele and the, the thought yeah, of putting a sauna yeah. together and yeah. that kind of stuff is is starting to is starting to play with these guys because, um, you know, I mean that's they got time. Yeah, to do that. Yeah. Well, the other TV show uh, that I heard rumors of today that might happen is, uh, did you ever see Deadwood? 
Mm-hmm. Well, they're talking about there might be a Deadwood movie. I saw that on Facebook today. Yeah. So that I'm would actually, be really good. Yes, and I'm waiting for the next season of uh, Walking Dead to be put on to Netflix, which I'm hoping is soon. We'll see. Uh, well, other than that, I don't, I don't really have much TV-wise to relate. Yeah, that that well, look, we got the one forged in fire. That one, I would highly recommend you watch those. Oh, Reset God, recording. I just don't have time. I, mean, I, don't have, I don't have a DVR though. Re- oh, really? I yeah. think satellite. No, I've got a I've got charter cable because of the cable modem. Oh, that's right. And you didn't get a DVR with that or a TiVo or whatever. No, I, I don't want to pay it. I don't watch it anyway. Oh. Well, yeah. you would watch Forge and Fire. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Two shows that my wife likes right now. That Fortune and Fire, and the uh, and the Alone one, which I'm pretty intrigued by that she likes the Forge and Fire one. It's it's a um, uh, it's a competition of bladesmiths. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've heard of this, uh, but I've also heard some other things. I'm well, you know, I'm not real thrilled about the what they. I know why they do it. But I don't necessarily like it. Mike and I have, Mike at Barker River and I have talked about this a, a fair amount. They always end up with the thing making a a weapon of some kind. Yeah. And they and when they're making their first knives, they're calling them weapons. They're not. They're not. Uh, you know. And and let's face it. Um, it's very difficult, and it's not very dramatic to test a bushcraft knife. No. Yeah, they want to see you they like, want chopping it. watermelons and shit. Yeah, they they chop ice, they chop watermelons, they chop coconuts, and then they then they do some kind of a martial arts demonstration with it after it's done. Yeah, and uh, and so it's it's um, I mean the, the the martial arts guy usually does some kind of a uh, a slicing test. With, like the other day, they cut up, um, they made a. Um, uh, a sword, the one with the curved blade in it. Yeah, um, Chris or whatever. Chris, yeah. Yeah. And there were two guys on it, and they took that Chris, and they they cut right through a side of pig, a whole half a pig. But that's such a waste of meat unless well, I'm sure somebody it. ate it. Yeah, but they but they were hanging there, and they went, shoop! The guy cut him right in half. Wow! So it was. I mean, so there's parts of it that are kind of interesting, and and the way they're showing the, you know, how to forge stuff is is interesting, and how they heat treat them, and how they're, you know, um, and how they're being judged. It's very interesting, and you know, I, I, I understand why they do the weapons thing. I'm not fond of that idea, but I don't know how you could do that show and make it relatively interesting with some kind of fast moving blade. I mean, like I said, bushcraft isn't that interesting. No, I mean, it you, bores me to tears. It's honestly. like okay, let's let's whittle a spoon. <laughs> let's uh, let's uh, um, I, I don't know. Well, at any rate, uh, are you carrying any knives today that are different than you have mentioned before? Um, I don't think so. I don't think so. Well, just my American knife. Oh, yeah, you're carrying that guy? I've got a... So what I'm carrying is... Uh, I'm totally and absolutely hooked on this thing. It's the Spyderco Roadie. Yeah. 
And I just love it. And it has not, literally has not left my pocket since I bought it. I love it so much. I'd like um, to get one of those. You like, you've talked about that for a couple weeks now. Yeah, it's How much my you favorite. Like it. Um, I was, you know, I took it out of my pants when I changed pants this morning, but it was a, um, I was carrying that um, teardrop. Oh, teardrop jack? Yeah. I saw it on the table. Yeah. So, uh, you we, we you got one re, uh, listener email. Yes, let me read it. Bark River Knives offers the best combination of ultra-modern CNC components and old-world craftsmanship. All Bark River Knives are hand-convex ground and sharpened to perfect cutting geometry for the task they are designed to perform. Bark River Knives are available through our authorized dealers. Another topic. Okay. Listener email. This is from our good friend Matt M. And he says, Hi guys. I'm all signed up for the September Bark River Grind-In and wondering how I could go about making a tracker knife like you did in recent years. Any advice you can give us is much appreciated. Regards, Matt. So, Matt... I spoke with Mike, and he is going to have some tracker blanks cut out, the same dimensions that uh, we made them a couple years ago. So out of the same, I'm sure they're going to be A2, because um, that's pretty much what Mike likes to use. And um, But they're going to be physically the same size blanks that we started out with when we made them. Yep. So the grind-in is when? Uh, September 11th. September 11th through the September 13th. Okay. Okay. So this is the Jersey Devils form. This is it. the one. This is a, this is a lot of fun, guys. If you're gonna get, if you're gonna go to one, if you can only make one of a year, these a year, this is the one to go to. In my opinion. Yeah. My opinion yep. only. But you, this is. They're all actually pretty they're, good. They're all awesome. But this is. This one is I, a lot. I've of fun. been to every single one. Uh, at different times of the year, and the reason I like this one is the people watching is so extreme. Yeah. Uh, I got speaking of which, I got to tell you an extreme story about what happened to me the other day. Okay, but let's let's get going here. The um, so that's the 11th to the 13th, and there's a good chance I will be there. I got hired by Johnny Rogers to play for a week in Frankenmuth the next week. Woo, doggy. Yep, so there's a very good chance I will be at the Grindin. Uh, That's awesome. I'm going to come yeah. down and listen to you guys play. Yeah, so we're actually doing a gig in Traverse City at a winery after all the Frankenmuth. So back up. Run. The Frankenmuth is the Gray Hair Convention. Yes. yes. And the winery Plus, one is uh, Traverse City. That's the Drunk Convention. Yeah. And uh, speaking of conventions, I went to Gen Con... And it was so awesome. It was so amazing. I loved it. And uh, one of our uh, knife uh, nut buddies was there. 
Oh, really? Who did you Who did you meet up with? Uh, Evan Brown, and I met a couple other people that um, had heard the podcast, but but uh, aren't like friends on Facebook or How whatever. Are we doing? But, uh, yeah, so I uh, I went to the Gen Con, and it was like amazing. Uh, and there's another convention called Grand Con in Grand Rapids. Oh yeah, that's uh, well. You know, there's a there's a Comic Con in Traverse City. I know, but this one, this one's more like I'm more into the game things. Okay. I, I'm not really into comics, um, but there's one in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. If you want to go to that, anybody, uh, the 25th to the 27th of September, and I already have my hotel booked and my ticket spot and everything. But I, I have to figure out a way to get out of call that weekend. Um, <laughs> but whatever. Uh, Let's see. We got some listener uh, questions on Facebook. Uh, let's see. Number one, uh, Lon Humphrey asks, "When is Hillary going to prison, and will Bill be free to date?" <laughs> I saw that on. I, <laughs> I saw that on. Uh, um, on Facebook, I saw a poster like that. Okay, so then next, uh, Jacob Bauer asks, I haven't listened to your podcast much, except for once. <laughs> Thanks, guy. <laughs> but, but what kind of grind is best for different blades? On a Hest, for example, I did mine too fine, so I saw pitting a little bit after some extended use. I, I need to have a little bit uh, shallower grind, I think. Well, I think maybe he's talking about the edge splitting out. Um, and so what I would say is that you you want a um, if I was going to reprofile a Hest, which is uh, our friend Robert Young Pelton's knife, um, if I was going to reprofile that and I was worried about the edge splitting out, I would put a convex grind on there. Yes. Would you agree? I I, I love a convex grind. I'm a big fan of them. It's what we it's what we end up with when we start sharpening knives, anyways. Um, but here's what I mean in the grand scheme of things you buy a knife you open it up and you say okay this is the way the designer wanted it to be and I would use the piss out of it and then see and then see how maybe he's right I mean you ever you might consider that that he may be right and a lot of forum people don't know shit well which is almost always the case exactly and so, um, and, and one of the things that's always very difficult is when you open that box, your knife will almost never be as sharp as it is when you open the box. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't care how hard you try. Um, it almost got, never. Unless you've got the exact same tools yes. and you've been or, to the factory and you know yeah, what they're doing. Yeah. You're never going to get it as sharp. Yep. Or you have a lot of time like our friend Gene does. Who just sits in front of the TV and strops his blade back and forth, back and forth, back and forth until it's like scary. Class. Like you, you look at it funny and it'll cut your eyeball. Right, or you, one of these guys that does the like several micron edge thing, yeah. like yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Schwartz. Then you, then you, you cut something and it's it's done. <laughs> but anyways, it back to uh, you know use it the way it came. 
And if it's not performing, I mean, eventually it's not going to perform for you like it did right. when you first got it, because it's then start considering doing some different sharpening techniques and maybe convexing the edge a little bit. And, yeah, it just and, depends uh, on how you're going to use it. Like if I if I'm using it to to slice, uh, like I I want a different kind of a knife in my kitchen doing, you know, my typical kitchen prep stuff, even for different things. Like, mm-hmm. I want a different knife to cut really grippy cheese mm-hmm. than I do to cut carrots. Like a wire. Yeah. Cuts like, grippy cheese really well. Right, but you, <laughs> you see the point is, like, whatever task you're going to use that knife for the most, figure out what works for and, that task. And that's a great excuse to have many, many more knives than just one. Right, exactly. You know what I always one say, the man with one knife is miserable. That's right. <laughs> okay, so moving on, uh, Kevin Estella uh, mentions that he's in the final push for the Becker Knives tracking class, uh, or Beck Knives tracker knife class at the end of the month. Who's going to learn uh, from the man who put the design on the map? So he, if you look up Kevin Estella, he is a fairly big-time survival instructor, and he's he a, knows. He's uh, a history teacher. I think. Yeah, he knows uh, Beck, and teacher. he knows um, the actual guy. Uh, he knows Tom Brown. He knows all those guys, and he puts on classes with those guys. So, if you have any time, um, be sure to check out Kevin Estella's. Uh, I wouldn't mind going there and seeing if I knew. Well, if I, I learned anything, I was I was like a couple minutes away from being able to go, and then at the last minute something came up and I couldn't go. But I I would recommend it. I I would. I think that that guy knows his stuff. Uh, I I would go to him to learn from. He's definitely good. Okay, so another friend of the show and original Glibber, Kyle Daly, asks, <coughs> uh, the TV show alone on the History Channel, what would you take as your ten items to live indefinitely on Vancouver Island? That's, what, that's the show we were talking about earlier. Okay, so... I would want uh, now. Now, mind you, there's you have a big list to choose from. It's not just yeah. I'd like, have to. I'd honestly, I'd have to see the list. Um, to, to but give the, you the a, things that these guys are taking, you know, I've never seen the. I never saw the first episode when I saw what they were taking out because it was like ten guys. Yeah, that I need started to see out. the list. To, and to and I think that uh, I mean what what it appears to me is I've seen tarps, I've seen axes, I've seen ferro rods, I've seen nets, I've seen fish hooks and, and uh, fishing line. Um, did I say axes? Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm trying to think if I even saw any kind of a, of a uh, cup or a tin or a, some kind of cooking utensil. That's really helpful. A piece of Oh, it's freaking just a little, yeah, a little pot or a little... A little steel pot will get you a long ways and save you a lot of work. Yep, yep. Um, Well, I'd have to see the list. If I can choose any ten things, I'm choosing uh, a cell phone, phone, (laughs) a uh, helicopter, a stack of $1,000 bills six inches thick, uh, an air mattress, a house... An internet connection. <laughs> so well, you know what? What uh, um, I learned this from my old man. Uh, he'd, he'd say, uh, if you asked him what, if he needed anything, hey, I'm running to town. Do you need anything? He'd say, bring me a pound of twenties. There you go. And uh, so, being the retarded nerd boy that I was, it finally got me going about how much is a pound of twenties. Oh, you weighed them. And so I weighed them. 
It's like sixteen thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was a big got a big kick out of that. But that's you know, a six inch stack of thousand dollar bills would be pretty impressive. Yeah, that's that's what I need because yeah. I can I can hire someone to bring me shit. Yeah, I can hire a massage every single day. Yeah, have somebody call you Boana. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I could be the Great White Hunter. Oh, speaking of the Great White Hunter, what do you think of the Cecil thing? Can we talk about that after we answer the questions? Okay. 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 So next, uh, Hank Martin of Martin Knives. People check out his stuff. Uh, he makes uh, fantastic, phenomenal uh, hollow-handled knives, in my opinion. Uh one of the best in the world at making those people. Oh, and he says he would like to hear Jim's thoughts on scuba slash dive knives. What features are best, production versus handmade versus mid-tech? Okay. And this has been the topic of some recent conversations that I've had with a couple different people. Being a diver, um, I like stuff old school. I mean, I will be the first one to tell you that. I like stuff old school. So I carried a Randall 16 for a long time on my leg in a leather sheath. Um, I have now moved on to a mission knife, dive knife, titanium dive knife, and a and I used to have a Technica knife on my BC, a little stub nose, serrated edge piece of shit knife. But it was it was sharp as long as you didn't use it for too much. Uh-huh. Um, that has now since been replaced with a Spyderco. I think it's called a Rescue. It's a blunt tip, but the whole yeah blade yeah. is serrated. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's got a whistle on it, and uh, you know, and it's it's a little be- beefier, bigger piece. Yeah. And is so it I have H one or I don't some kind of stainless because it doesn't yeah. rust. I it doesn't rust in fresh water. Yeah. It gets. It must have some carbon in it because it does get a little stainy. You know, I have to wipe it off. Uh-huh. But um, but I use, you know, and as far as in the, in the industry, um, one would think that divers would be all geeked out about having good knives. And, boy, it's just not the case. Um, it's sort of like saying hunters want really good knives. They just don't. They just don't. You can buy a, a hunter, a, a typical, I'm not talking about the guy that's spending X number of dollars to go to Africa. I'm talking about the guy that's going to go hunting in Michigan. He's going to go get his deer. He, he buys a $500 rifle. And a four, $4 Gerber folding hunter. Yes. Or he buys a, and he buys a shitty scope. Yeah. And wonders why he can't hit the broad end of a barn standing on the inside. Oh, and he doesn't practice. And he doesn't practice. He takes off the wall once a year, and he doesn't practice. Yeah. Um, or or maybe he can't hit a bull in the ass with a bass fiddle. Yeah. How about that? But, but dive knives are real similar to that. You know, guys will spend a lot of money on their gear, on their yeah. breathing equipment. Um, but, e- but even then, there may be a $100 difference between... The shittiest regulator and the world's best regulator, okay? The shittiest regulator works, but it's more apt to fail. The best regulator... Problematic. Yeah, they're more problematic. And the best one is $100 more. I can't even believe that the worst one is in business for $100 less. Yeah. I can't tell you. I dive Poseidon stuff. That's all I ever put in my mouth. 
because <laughs> because uh, it's it's absolutely the best year round. We dive under the ice. I have never. I've been diving for an, a long time, and I have never had a regulator fail on me ever. And I've always dove Poseidon regulators. They're hands down the best. There isn't anything better. Anybody else that that's saying, "Oh yeah, sure would," and yeah, yeah, you can all just go suck it because that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a hundred dollars difference, and I'll ask people. I'll say, "Really? There's a hundred dollars difference between that rig that you have that just failed. I'm watching it fail, and you're breathing off of my shit coming back to the surface." And we get we. Why would you not buy the one for a hundred dollars more? Isn't your life worth a hundred dollar bill? Uh, people just—it just—it makes me nuts yeah. because I don't understand it. And and you know what? It's not just my opinion that this stuff that I dive is the best. It's the U.S. Navy's opinion that it's the best because they have that experimental dive unit down in Florida and they test it. Yeah. They're the ones that test it. It's tested to like 400 feet, something yeah. like that. I mean, it's the it's hands down the best. Never freezes. It's what you dive under the Arctic with. They never go bad. They never, you know, and they breathe a little bit harder. They they do breathe a little bit harder. But you know what? You're a diver. Suck it up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, you want to be Mr. Badass Diver, fucking dive with some good shit. Yeah, and Nobody wants to hear it because <laughs> <laughs> what? And shut your yeah. Yeah, yeah. Quit, quit your freaking whining. Yeah. But but no, seriously, that that is, and it's but they won't spend that extra money on it. They won't spend three hundred dollars on a dive knife. Yeah. They won't. They just won't. That's why you see all those cheap dives in the dive store because okay. they won't spend it. Good. But but they you know I'm I'm I like the idea and that's probably why I would be going to a custom knife for a custom dive knife. Um, I would get, I would get a steel that's going to be saltwater resistant. Yes, yeah, it has I, to be. Honestly, I love that H1 steel that that Spiderco uses because one of those little is that available in America or is that a Japanese? No, steel? you can get it. Uh, I don't know that you can buy it if you're going to make a knife out of it. That's and then how would you how would you heat treat it? Well, because that's the other thing. But whatever Spiderco is doing, like if Spiderco makes a dive knife out of that, that's probably I would probably buy that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, they're they're uh, they use they make that knife in a whitewater knife, don't also don't they? Uh, I don't know. They I use that steel as a in a whitewater. Yeah, yeah. Knife. It, it's it's just really good. It's really good water. Is you know it, it doesn't rust. Right. Like we we had one. Uh, Most of the stuff that you see is a dive knife, quote unquote dive knife, is usually like you buy it at the dive store. It's usually like the it's cheapest just garbage, like yeah. four hundred four stainless. Or something yeah, they're like just that. bad. But anyway, <laughs> barely I heat treatable. I think we've answered that. One, two, a one, two, three,
Haltom asks Kydex versus Leather. Uh, it depends on the application. Um, if I'm going to be in and out of water all day long, underwater, in swamps, in dirt, in shit, in cow shit, in, and then the next minute I'm going to be in desert and fucking... I want Kydex. Yeah. Jim has a different opinion. Yeah, I like leather. leather so I love leather. I but that's just that's just an opinion, and I know. think we've I think we and for every other application, I want a leather sheet. Yeah. Like the stuff, the the really high end stuff that I release from my company, all has leather on it. Yeah. Because yeah. I know that those knives are not going to be used in the conditions like I'm describing. Right. Just not. Right. So, um, and then they're not, you know, then when I'm releasing a high-end knife, I want a handmade, uh, hand-stitched leather sheath, and I get Dwayne Keith Puckett to do that, and uh, it just, it's just a better product to me. Yeah, he does nice work. Yeah. Um, Chance Sanders asks, uh, he seconds the dive knife question, also, if you were going to design a knife for 007, what would it look like? Double O seven. Yeah. Uh, it would probably look like a Walter PPK. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I was designing a knife for him, it would be. Uh, it would. Yeah. It would be a uh, pistol. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would give. If I were James Bond, I would carry an FN five seven. It's not as elegant though. It's. You, sometime I'll bring mine up and you can shoot it. And when you when you've shot twenty one times from here to the end of your lane and hit a fucking golf ball with it, a pistol, then we'll talk. Like they these things are just it's the be all end all. It's a high powered rifle round in a in a in a freaking pistol, and you get twenty one of them. You can't go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, uh. It depends on. I think that he what he's going to use that knife for is going to be sentry removal, and there just is no better knife for that than a, a Fairbairn Sykes style fighting knife. Yeah, uh, Applegate or a yeah, one or of those, Randall uh, number two. I would probably, I would probably, I would probably do up like a, a Randall number two style knife, yeah, nice dagger. Um, well, and then, or if it would be more modern, and I was wearing a tuxedo, I would think that maybe a microtech out the front is pretty sexy. Yeah, yeah. Only I, mean, I would, I would make it. I would make sure that Q put a stronger uh, spring in it, so that when I pushed the button, I could hold it up to the back of their head. Yeah, and I it mean, would. I would push the button, and it would just it, jam. There's up. actually, yeah, there's actually quite a bit more resistance um, in that particular area than you think there is. Yeah. And well, don't right ask here. me how I know that. Right here. Yeah. yeah. That way. Yeah. Um, but uh, there's a lot more to go through there than you think there is. Um, but the... Uh, I think uh, if I was going to do it, I would do something um, Fairbairn Sykesy with a really nice, elegant uh, handle on it. Pearl? Mother of Pearl, maybe? No, he's not a pimp. Um, Mother of Pearl is pretty nice. I don't know. I yeah, I know. I, I just said that because somebody said that once. It was Patton that said that. He said uh, somebody asked him if he had a pearl handled uh, 357. He says, "No, I'm not a pimp. That's ivory." Um, well, I might put ivory on it just to piss off the liberals. Yeah, we'll get to it. Um, <laughs> Ryan, and then I'm going to ask. I'm going to answer a few more, and then we're done. Ryan Stinson asks, uh, "Your favorite outdoor or daily carry pack?" 
and your thoughts on hawkbill or uh, karambit style knives. I like the hawkbill. My my hawkbill of choice is the uh, little tiny uh, Spyderco in H1 steel that I that uh, with the yellow handle that everybody sees. Is that there. a harpy? No, it's small. It's the smallest one they make. I'm not. Well, I'm not. A, I'm not a fan of the, that style. That's I, okay. Yeah. I, uh, I I don't I don't even think I own one. To be honest, a hawkbill knife. Good for, for the linoleum cutting. Linoleum. You know, well, lin- no. What? So you're thinking a karambit hawkbill is just a, it's a little bit of recurve. Like what you use that for? No, is hawkbill like, has got comes a point like that. Yeah, but it's a, there's a little bit of a recurve to it. It's not as crazy as like a, an actual karambit. Like the with a hawkbill, what I use them for is uh, they're great at opening packages. Okay, so they're great at gardening. So do you remember? One. Do you remember the show uh, Silence of the Lambs? Yes. And the was it a prequel to that one? Must have been a prequel to that. When he disemboweled somebody and threw him out the out the window, he used a Spyderco harpy, I believe it was, and it's the one that's got it looks like a freaking talon. Yeah, big point. Yeah, on the end of it, and he opened somebody up in the middle, and when they and then threw him out the window and hung him, and when they when they snapped. Then all of his guts fell out. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty disgusting. And uh, I, I've had a, I've had a, I don't care for that knife after that show. In terms of packs, uh, I'm very fond of uh, Osprey packs right now. Uh, and when I am evaluating a pack, I, I figure out exactly how much volume I'm going to need, and then I try to find something that fits my back well. Uh, is lightweight and made of very, very durable stuff. I think a lot of people um, are carrying a 10-pound pack that's empty. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, you want to have a durable pack, but it shouldn't, it should be... I'm, I'm real fond of that. There's a lightweight snug pack, the small, I don't even know what they call it, but it's the smallest pack. And for a day pack type situation, I like that one. Very comfortable to wear. It's one big open cavern inside. Throw all your shit in it and go. Yeah. Darren uh, Tasha Mitsu asks, Have you guys talked about the Schrade Extreme Survival Hollow Handle Knife? Can't recall. Any chance of an American Knife Co... Versteg collab on a hollow handle made by Bark River. Um, the first one, I, I'm not familiar with the Schrade Extreme hollow handle knife. The second question, um, absolutely, positively, yes. There's the Schrade, that knife, I believe, is a copy of Chris Reeves' knife. Okay. I, I have I, I have the Chris Reeves, and I love it. I, I believe that that's a copy of it, and it was literally like a knockoff. And actually, James and I have figured out a way to do a uh, hollow handle knife um, with uh, a shaped handle. Um, but uh, that's a future project. 
Um, but we, we know how to do a hollow handle knife that's easy to manufacture with a shaped handle. Uh, that And I've, I've done some uh, CAD drawings of it, and uh, it... When we eventually yep. make them, you're going to shit your pants. Yeah, they look, they look like they might work. Yep. Um, next question is by uh, Jordan Richard Wagner. What watch bands do you guys use? Do you prefer steel bracelet, leather, or nylon, NATO, slash Zulu? I'll answer first. Um, I wear, um, for outdoors, I wear almost exclusively marathon watch stuff or the... Uh, the custom Maritech watches from County County Com or Country County Com, yeah. And I, for bands, I like their nylon. Uh, yeah, like that. I like the nylon bands. I like the steel ones too. But the problem I have is um, uh, getting one of those to fit exactly like I want it. But I do like a steel mesh one. Um, I just don't. I, just I have, don't a, own I have one a steel mesh. Uh, the shark mesh. And I really, really like it. It's one of the only steel bands that I wear. Um, very, very comfortable. It's uh, the shark mesh, I guess they call it. Yeah, that's. I, if I was going to wear a metal one, that's what I, I would. And wear. I really, really do like it. Um, you know, it fits. It fits just nice. I don't wear that if I'm going to go in any kind of extreme environment. Yeah, because um, it, it'll get you get dirt on. Well, it. you lose the whole watch. Yeah, if you break a pin, you lose the whole watch. Yeah, and I'm not. I hate that. So I usually wear. Uh, um, I have a um, usually like the the Zulu bands, but I like the ones that have the heavier stainless steel. And I, don't ask me why. I'm sure I'm not going to ever break one of the plastic ones, <laughs> but. Uh, but I like the stainless. I don't know if it's because of the looks of them, but even the even the black and stainless ones I like yeah. more than the plastic. Um, I have a Deluca leather band like that that I like a lot. Um, and every once in a while, someone will see me wear it and I go, "Wow, they make that band! It's it's just like the Zulu band, only it's made out of leather." Yeah. And that's kind of a cool band. And then I've got um, a couple dress watches that I wear with leather bands, obviously. I have a nice uh, uh, O&W um, from the 60s that I really, really like. Um, that's about it. Here's okay. a couple leather straps, you know, that I like. But So I'm <coughs> closing the uh, user <laughs> question portion. don't want to hear any kind of ranting, <laughs> the thing now is the time to <laughs> shut off. <laughs> now, the, now would be the time for you to bail. Uh, we're not going to rant very long, but we are going to rant a this little bit. This is going to get so politically stinking, it's not even funny. So, Like fish, bad fish. If you guys were, <laughs> uh, if you guys have enjoyed the podcast, but you don't want to hear political talk, um, we are very happy that you tuned in. Thank you very much. And we'll hit, we'll, uh, We'll we will catch time. you next time. Um, 
if you're going to stay after about another 10 seconds here, you're staying at your own risk. And, yeah. and if your ears start bleeding halfway through this, it's not, you've been warned. Right, and it's like uh, Furio said on uh, Sopranos, no bitch to me. <laughs> um, so, uh, without further ado... What will we talk about? Okay, so we should probably talk about that stupid fucking mangy lion. I am laughing about that whole story now because uh, the, I, the I guess the prime minister of the company said, "Who? Who yeah, got they, killed?" <laughs> they're like, "All this, all this about a fucking lion? Yeah. Why don't you care when the fucking lions eat us? Yeah. We don't hear you protesting then." <laughs> so, okay, so here's, I, I mean, honestly, I would never shoot a lion. No. Because I have I have absolutely no desire to shoot something that I'm not going to eat. I well, just I, don't. I, I find it, I find the whole thing kind of intriguing because what's happened is that there has been a, a, a declining population of lions. A couple different things come into play here. One of them is there, people are encroaching on their habitat. How okay. about how about not, people not, fucking Hugo Robert Mugabe and and look at what Zimbabwe was before Robert Mugabe took office and after yeah and then ask yourself why there are no fucking lions in Zimbabwe it has to do with who is the the leader of that country and what he has done to that country yeah I'm not going to tell you what it is. You have to figure that out for yeah. your own self. Well, and, and what's interesting, what's interesting about it is the people that, that are, are raising all kinds of holy hell over here about it. It's it's they don't understand what the money goes to there, and with that money, it probably I mean the the lions are now supposed to be back on the rebound because of the people that are spending the money to go over there and hunt them because they they're supporting that preserve. Yeah, and the lion that they. Uh, that they supposedly shot was allegedly on a preserve, and they lured it out. Yeah, but I now there's no fence there, guys. It's not right. like okay. We we gotta. We also have to. So so here's my whole problem with the whole thing. Okay, first it was he shot him with a gun. Then it was he shot him with a compound bow. Then it was he shot it with a crossbow. Nobody fucking knows. Right. Because right. the dentist didn't tell you. Right. The hunting guides didn't tell you. So right. how the fuck do you know? Right. That, not to mention, like, this story keeps changing. And right. you people are sitting here bitching about some story that nobody can even get straight. And when they finally send an actual reporter over to the country, the entire country is like, get the fuck out of here, <laughs> dummy. Like... What's your fucking problem? It's a lion. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. And and we were supposed to. It, we were told that this was supposed to be like some national symbol. Nobody <laughs> fucking knows. That's the prime like minister if, didn't even know what the hell like, we were talking about. <laughs> that'd be like if France thought that that we thought that the uh, pigeons were their national symbol, and we would be all upset because they killed because the they killed a pigeon here. It's like no, it's called squab, yeah. dummy. We pay big bucks to eat that shit in fancy restaurants. Yep. Yep. But. 
anyway, like, my whole problem is, is, like, I don't care. I wouldn't shoot a lion myself, but the guy paid to shoot a fucking lion. That's his thing. That's what he wants to do. How dare you uh, put, you know, attack his business and put his workers out of business? Right. You know, you don't like him... That's fine, but you, if you if you make it so that he can't do business, you're not just hurting him. You're hurting all of his employees. Yeah, plus all the people with that. And now team. they're going to say, well, you know, uh, you know, well, he doesn't live in England, so they don't have that bad on the teeth. <laughs> but the, now they're going to say, well, you know, they deserved it for working for him. Oh, fuck you. Yeah. Well, but, like your boss is so great. All you do is bitch about your boss, but you still have to eat. Yeah. Wait, you still have no, to go to if, work. If their their bosses might be the American government. Yeah, and we bitch about your boss. So, yeah. like, here, here's the thing, okay? We live in this in this world now where there's this mo- internet mob mentality, where like, you know, some somebody on uh, Tinder or not Tinder, somebody on like Tumblr or Twitter or something starts this online mob and goes and attacks people, and and like will will literally make it so that they can't make a living. Yep. And when you take down somebody like him. You're taking down somebody who employs other people. Right, lots of other people. Lots of other people. And, you know? and the, the, the amount of money that he puts back in the economy just by employing all of those people well, is and, extraordinary. And, and here's, a, here's a fact of life that they don't want to listen to. His, the price that he paid to, to, the, to the government to take that lion goes in directly into a fund that pays for their conservation programs. There's no other way that they get money to pay. There's a poor country. Yeah. You know? And then, and then here's the other thing. When you guys hop on the bandwagon and start white-knighting about some fucking lion in the middle of fucking nowhere who means nothing, who probably ate... You know, you're all worried about his cubs. Do you want to know how other many male lions' cubs Cecil fucking ripped limb from limb? Yep. And their little kitten heads were on the ground mewing. After they've been detached from their body for several minutes while they waited to die, their little kitten heads mewing. That's that's Cecil, okay, you fucker. You think he was like so noble that he never did the same shit that every other lion fucking does? Did you see? Did you see? Jesus fucking Christ! Did you see the picture? You drive me crazy. Did you see the picture of him carrying off a? Ibex or yeah. how many baby how many baby animals did this dentist save from yeah. being ripped apart in front of their mothers yep. Yep. by shooting that one cold hearted killer? Yep. How That's many funny. other people's kittens and cubs and, did he and save? I wanna know yep. like listen liberals, I know you think that it's like fucking the Lion King and this is Simba. If you if you walked within ten feet of him, he'd eat you. He would eat you and tear you apart. Yep. What and he alive? would and and while you were still alive, he would eat you from toes up happily. Yep. That's what died there. Simba didn't die there. How about that? Okay, so tell me, tell me why Hillary is not indicted yet. Well, you know why. 
Actually, I heard I heard a guy. She's got a billion dollars sitting in a bank account. I heard a guy that wrote a book about the blood feud between Hillary and Barack, and the, well, the Clintons and the Obamas. And I was laughing when he was talking. He had been talking about it for like five years now, and they're saying that uh, that he, they this guy actually thinks that his that Obama's Justice Department will actually go after her because of this blood feud and take her down. They gave her. Like all the rope in the world, so that she would hang herself. Yeah. And then now they're gonna. We'll see. I mean, I can't even imagine why she's still in the race. Because I can't. I can't fathom. She's gonna be a felon. Nobody is gonna say anything about her. She, if if she is convicted, she's a collectivist. She will get a presidential pardon. Like she may get a pardon, but she won't be president. I think she's gonna be president. No. No. No, I can't imagine. Donald Trump will fuck that all up. Well, Donald, this is an interesting discussion because... He's going to run as a, a, a demo-rub. Well, here's here's the thing. The left has a populist candidate. It's called Bernie Sanders. The right has a populist candidate. It's called Donald Trump. Yeah. It's like you took two skunks and threw them into the middle of the race and all of the establishment candidates are running around like... And you know what's interesting about that? What's interesting about that whole deal is you got a socialist running as a Democrat, and the Democratic powers to be are having conniption fits. Well, and they can't, because somebody's, Debbie Washerman Schultz said, well, he's a socialist, and she's like the spokesman for the Democratic Party. Yeah. And somebody said, well, what's the difference between a Democrat and a socialist? She couldn't answer it. And she couldn't answer it. And they <laughs> asked her a week later, and she still couldn't answer right, it. Right, because you can't. Because there's no difference. No. No, and and what's interesting about philosophically, maybe maybe <clears throat> in practice they do things practically a little differently, but philosophically it's the same fucking thing. Right, and you know what's interesting about what's interesting about Trump, and I think why he's hitting a chord so much is, I think the abortion issue is kind of off the table with him. I mean, whether he is or he isn't, I, I don't think he's. I mean, I don't think he's proclaimed. But he's an economically, I think he's a he's a conservative. He's a businessman, and that lends itself to being a conservative. So he's kind of like that cross that he appeals to kind of both both parts of the party. Although there's probably although 21 percent. I mean, he's like at 21 percent or something like that he's, right now. He's he's 13 points behind the next guy, and the next guy is Ben Carson. Neither one of them are establishment exactly. candidates. Exactly, and I think that what it is is that we are so sick of of the establishment that w- w- we just want something. We don't anybody, give a shit. Anybody. Yeah. If you're willing to vote for Donald Trump, <coughs> you'll vote for anybody but who they want you to vote yep. for. Same thing yep. with Bernie Sanders. Yep. If you're willing to vote for Bernie Sanders and you're a Democrat, you'll vote for anybody but fucking Hillary Clinton. Yep. Anybody but Hillary Clinton. But I don't Clinton. think... I don't know. I... I... I really I like Ben Carson a lot. So do I. I actually, um, I like him a lot. I think yeah. he's a, I think he's very smart. I, he's very very well spoken. Um, I, I, don't I don't know if he has the business sense. Yeah, but I don't think I think he could surround you. You can't have the sense in every single area that well, you need and to, that's, to be and, president. And see, the, the you have to be able to pick good people. Right, and that's what that's what uh, what I'm sure that everybody's that's following Trump is talking about yeah. is the fact that he has made his whole career f- surrounding himself with good people yeah, and and getting rid of people that that don't perform 
Yeah. You know, he built a TV show about it. Yeah. You know, that's all about firing people. Yeah. And uh, so I I don't know. I he, he has not touched anything that he hasn't succeeded at. Right, exactly. I wear Donald Trump ties because yeah. they're fucking awesome ties. Yeah. You yep. know, and I, I, uh, anything he does is going to be awesome. Yep. And that's kind of what I, the way I'm way I've been thinking about it too. I I like the idea. I mean, I, I kind of wish he would he would kind of clean up his his the way he speaks a little bit. You know, he he flies off the cuff way way too uh, too easily. Um, like this whole dust up with with Megyn Kelly. I haven't done any of the follow up. I probably should have. But you know, he said something about. Blood coming from her eyes and whatever, and I don't know if they're talking about, you know, nobody knows what he was actually talking about. I think, but they've all assigned a idea he, that he's talking he about could, her. He could be a little bit more careful with some of his language. Yes, but that's, but the thing is, is that's, that's also an age thing. Yeah, because the thing is, is he was already wealthy and already established before the whole political correctness right. thing came exactly. along. There. If, if in this country, if you are a certain age, you were established and you couldn't be hurt, uh, you know, before political correctness. Yeah. If, if you take somebody who is established and can't be hurt after political correctness came about, you're going to find somebody who knows how to say things in such a way that they won't get in trouble. Right. And right. Trump is just, he's too old to, to get that. You know, the, the people who are... Uh, the people currently in the race who are capable of doing that are like Scott Walker, Marco Rubio, right. Ted Cruz. Right. These younger guys that came of age when if you said one wrong thing, you would just you're just not going to be right. You want to be I'm, a lawyer? Fuck sure. off! You're not going to be a lawyer because you said Oriental instead of Asian. Right? Fuck you! Yep. You're yeah. done. And I'm not sure. And that, that, that literally happened to people in my medical school class. Yeah. Like fuck you! You're done. You said Oriental. Yeah, but last week it was fine to say that. Oh, it's not fine this week. Fuck off. Yep. You you don't get to do what you wanted to do with your life. Yep. Like, and if you if you take people of a certain age that had to go through mm-hmm. all of that and were successful anyway, that is somebody who knows how to say things in a slightly different way to where they won't get in trouble. Right. You know. And I think and I think that to be honest about it, I think that we're really tired of. Yeah, and that's of, that's of, that's and another that's reason. Of, that's every, one of the reasons why he's so popular. Every time he says something horrible, he goes up in the polls. Yeah. And so, again, like once again, the internet is the root of all evil. Well, I love the internet, <laughs> <laughs> and we're broadcasting over the internet. Yeah. And uh, I think we should wrap it. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. Everybody's out of work or scared of losing their job. The dollar buys a nickel's worth. Banks are going bust. Shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter. Punks are running wild in the street. There's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do, and there's no end to it. We know the air is unfit to breathe, and our food is unfit to eat. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad.
They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house, and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller, and all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-belted radios, and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to write. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. So, I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! I've, it's been so long since we've done one of these yeah, I that know. I've almost forgotten everything. No um, kidding. Guys, like, uh, is our political rant over? We're done. Should We're we done. say Hillary for prison 2016? <laughs> yeah! Um... Anyway, uh, send us emails at uh, podcast at knifejournal.com. Uh, look for a change in the format of uh, the, the Knife Journal website. There's going to be some changes done to that in the next couple weeks. Um, we're going back. Hey, 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 hey. We're going back to our roots. That was the big brown mean dog barking at the retarded dog. <laughs> anyway, and, um, and by that he means that his dog was, was retarded twice. <laughs> yeah, he came from the factory with tar on him. The tar wore off and he had to send the dog back to be retarded. Yep, yep. Anyway, the um, you're going to see some changes in that site. Uh, we're going to go back to our roots a little bit. And um, so send us emails at uh, at uh, Podcast at knifejournal.com. Like us on Facebook at uh, Night Journal Podcast. And um, friend us, Kyle and, and uh, Jim. We'll, uh, we'll usually accept your friendship as long as you're not a uh, Russian whore. And uh, the, other, the other great thing to watch on YouTube is the Russian dash cam videos. I'm totally addicted. <laughs> I can't stop watching. <laughs> Well, what is it with them? They have always have cameras on their dashes. I don't I mean, know. Maybe one of our <coughs> listeners could answer that. We do have listeners. Well, from it that is part interesting because there is uh, there is something about that. Because remember when the meteorite came through? And there was, were like a million, million videos of it. <laughs> a lot of videos of the dash cams from that. Yeah. And it, and, it, and you could see it was obviously they were dash cam videos that yeah. that all different angles of the same shot. I might get a dash cam when I get my uh, Subaru. Nice. When is that coming, by the way? I don't know. It's being built. Um, but anyway... Uh, oh, you know what else I didn't talk about? What? Frickin' brakes. I just did brakes on my Jeep all the way around uh, the other day. They were probably pricey. My God! No, it wa- wasn't bad. <clears throat> I put rotors and pads all the way around. Front ones went on and off like a dream. The rear ones? Oh. My. God. I... I literally broke one of the rotors off oh, with a hammer. Uh, I had a caliper that had a, had a leaky cylinder, so I replaced that. And uh, so I, had, I knew I had to bleed the brakes. Okay, so I started doing this like 
about 7 o'clock on, in the evening, and I figured I would have it done by dark, by dark anyways, you know. Yeah. And so I talked to my youngest, and I said, Steve, can you come over and help me bleed the blakes tomorrow? Because, you know, your mom's yeah. going to be at work, and she's not going to be able to... Unless you have a... I have the power bleeder. Yeah, I don't have a power bleeder. I oh. should get one, I suppose, but... So he, um, he comes over the next day, and I'm still not done. He's like, what are you doing? And I got this one... It's got an emergency brake is in the center of the of the rotor, okay? Yeah. And so you have a little star nut in there that you retract the, the, the brake shoes from it, and you should be able to pull them right off. Well, there was this layer of rust, and it made like a ridge around the outside of and the... And probably forge welded it because of the heat of the brakes. You could not get that shit off there. So I'm looking all over the Internet looking for the solution to this, and it was always keep hitting it with, with a hammer until it, you know, on the face of it and on the sides of it. Um, don't pound it off, but, but on the face of it, until all that rust breaks loose and falls out. So you're literally like two hours with a two-pound sledge banging on this freaking thing, you know. Finally, it was like, it, and it would get to this one spot, and it would not go any farther. You it was fairly loose. You could wobble it all over the place, could not get it off. So finally, I kind of lost my temper, and I, I went all... Thor on it. <laughs> Thor with his magic hammer. Yeah. And I started like, and Steve was there, and he was like, oh. <laughs> I hit that thing, and it broke the whole face of it off, off the rotor, just freaking smashed it off. <laughs> and uh, then went in with a pair of, with a couple screwdrivers and spread it out enough to get the damn rest of it off. But, but it was, I had never done brakes that were that nasty as what that was. And so later on I'm reading about, uh, you know, you, with those you have to rotate the tires about every 4,000 miles. And uh, one of the guys says, you want to avoid that in the future, uh, basically when you rotate the tires, pull those, pull those off every time. Pull yeah. them off and just run some sandpaper over the ridge and then just keep them smooth. Yeah. That was like... Oh, that's just every time they come off, just do a brake job. Yeah, no. <laughs> every four thousand miles. Yeah, again, this is Jeep. Yeah, like there are quirks that that are just make you crazy. Yeah, they just make you crazy. But anyways, so back we gotta to go. Us. Yeah, we gotta go. So uh, uh, like us on Facebook. You know, friend us. Um, check out check out American Knife Company's new uh, website. I'm sure that they're going to be a sponsor of the of the Knife Journal podcast. Would be my my gut feeling. Um, and uh, let's see what else. I guess that's it. We'll see you later. Keep your uh, keep your knives sharp and your friends a lot sharper. And go outside and play, sucker. Go outside and play, and enjoy yourself. Summertime is almost over. I got my big wood pile out there ready to go. If you feel like you want something to do, come over and help me cut wood. Yeah, there you go. I'll give you lessons. I'll, I'll be the instructor, and I'll teach you chainsaw operation and wood splitting techniques and and uh, for the low low cost of uh, you know probably a couple hundred dollars a week I'll feed you and and uh, but you put get, you up you get a can of Alpo stuff <laughs> yeah. okay. you're, you're eating spam and spam and beans and and uh, <laughs> just like a lumberjack and you can play lumberjack in my backyard and one more thing if you are oh Jesus I got another story to tell you I, I really really have to tell if it if you are a person who is upset by the whole Cecil thing. 
Like, I'm upset, too. Like, I think the whole thing is bad. Like, there's... I, I mean, really, you probably don't need to shoot lions. But I'm not going to tear somebody's... I'm not going to tear another human's life apart about that. And I say this with peace and love. <laughs> peace and love. So, okay. you know, I did rant a little bit there, but, like... You know, come on now. We have to. We have to meet. And we have to. Halfway. Can't we all just get along? We we need to at least recognize that a human's life is more important than a lion's. Yeah. So, remember where we went to lunch a couple weeks ago? Yeah, that hipster place. Hipster place. But there were no hipsters. When no, we were there. but Kathy and I went there the other night for salad. Right. They have a really really nice salad here. So we go in and we're sitting down and there's you know you order it at, a, at a, like a lunch counter and then you sit down and they call your name and you go get your shit and you eat. But you're as you're standing there you know it's always a fun it's a fun place to people watch. It generally is a fun place to people watch. So because uh, there's always these people that walk in they want to be outrageous. They literally want to be outrageous. So the other night, the place did not let me down. So in walks this couple, and this fella had dreads that were, this is a white boy now, I'm telling <laughs> with you. With dreads. <laughs> with dreads that were huge. They were huge, and they, they smelled. Were like, they were like cables. They, like you could they, suspend yes, a bridge. Yes, they were that big, and they smelled. Yeah. And with him, and this guy's tat, all tatted up, you know, and he's got the window pane things in his ears, and... and he, He's like probably and, 38 and, years old. And a little while later, he's going to... He's going to very quietly pay me $1,000 to fix that mistake. Yeah. <laughs> so, so with him, very quietly, he's not going to tell anyone. And then he's going to hide out for a while, and he's going to come back with normal ears. And everybody else's, all of his friends are going to pretend like it didn't happen. <laughs> like he never had those ridiculous things. Because eventually they're going to come to me too. It's, it's funny. <laughs> so, so with him was his lady friend. Right who was probably the same age, 38-ish, she was relatively attractive, okay? She is not a beauty queen or anything like that, but she's relatively attractive. From the waist up, she's fairly normal. From the waist down, she's wearing fucking pantyhose. Yeah, pantyhose, people... Maybe she just got off from Hooters. And that's it. Pantyhose. That's it. Nothing else? Nothing else. No, nothing else. Maybe she's not allowed to wear her Hooters outfit out <laughs> in public. I almost stood up and asked her if she had her skirt caught in the car door, maybe, and she didn't realize it was missing. She had no panties on. Peter Pan on. or something? Huh? Peter Pan? She was... No. I don't know what the hell her story was. No. They were pantyhose. Well, maybe she's an actress. They were pantyhose. And she didn't... <laughs> She didn't have anything under, underneath the pantyhose. I tried to I tried to rationalize it all over the place. Did you Kathy did you kept elbowing me? Dick? I I I almost did. You gotta take a, a selfie <laughs> with that in the background. Like like that's how you do it. You Okay, so if you see something really weird, take a selfie of yourself but catch the other thing in the background and you can just say you were taking a photo of I, that and photobombing it. I was I do that all the time. I was, uh, I, 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 could, I couldn't believe it. Okay, so literally when I say that she had pantyhose on, you could see the tattoos on her legs through the pantyhose, okay? Right. So you could see everything else through the pantyhose, and you could have seen her little brown eye had there been a, had the seam not been in the way. Well, okay, so the thing is, is maybe, you know, Hooters has those orange shorts. 
maybe she's not allowed to wear any component of that out in public. Well, that, that could have very well been. So, that's not even the funniest part of the story. Oh, God. So, you know the hipsters that are in there. Everybody's much. Everybody's trying to be like a little more, a little more over the top. Shame. They're, they're trying to go over the top, okay? Shame. So, sitting next to us is another hipster-type doofus. Shame. With a, with a big old long ponytail and some kind of funky growth on his chin. And he's looking at her like, oh my God, she's over the top. Yeah. Shame. <laughs> his reaction was funny because it was like, it was, it was like, like, if you looked at him next to me, you would say, see that same difference between yeah. us? If you looked at her next to him, there's that other same, like, it's like she just went head over heels way farther that he would have gone, and he and he was offended by it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so, like, I'll talk about my, if I was, uh, if I didn't have to, like, make a living, here's here's the two hairstyles I want to have. I want to have a Richard Gere mullet, <laughs> like, just fucking flowing, you know, like, you know, you can gorgeous. get that done now. Gorgeous, rich. I can just you can get those plugs and get that done now. I got plenty of hair to do it, and actually, when I was up until about my junior year in high school, you had a mullet. No, I had big hair. I had like a long, like a Richard. That wasn't considered a mullet at that time. That was a normal, like Albert on Little House. Like I had that hair because that's how like my hair David Cassidy. Goes. No, Albert on Little House shithead. Which which not was David that? Cassidy. You know, Little House on the Prairie, yeah. or Michael Landon. Okay, yeah. only without the perm. Like yeah. that was a normal hairstyle for that era. That's how long my hair was. I would go back to that, or my other perfect hairstyle would be like the lead character on Vikings. Oh yeah, that's a good one. That's that's totally awesome. Yeah, like, that's a good one. But I have to make a living, so I have to look like JFK. Anyway, we better we really better go. Yeah, we got yep. some. So. See you later. We'll see you around and enjoy yourself outdoors, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Hopefully, it won't be a two-week hiatus like it was this time. And we said everything with peace and love. Yep. Peace and, and love. And just get along, people. Just get along. Yes. <laughs> Bye. Bye.